Good afternoon or morning, depending on where you're listening in from. But welcome to Cherry Beckard's podcast. My name is Bren McNeil, and I'm an audit partner with a focus on government contracting. Along with me today, I have Eric Poppy, who is a senior manager in our government contractor services group. So today we are going to be doing our second podcast in our SBA's All Small Small Mentor Protege and Joint Ventures series. In our previous podcast, we gave an overview of the program, discussed some of the goals and benefits from participating in this program, as well as eligibility to participate both from the mentor and the protege perspectives. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, we highly encourage you to go back and do so. Um, you can find that recording on our web uh, on our website at cbh.com. <laughs> Today we will be focusing on the important elements of um, of the agreement, what needs to be included, um, as well as touching on the duration of the agreement itself. On some future podcasts that we'll be doing in this series, um, we'll highlight the annual evaluations that need to be performed. We'll touch on compliance issues, including those about limitations on subcontracting. And then we'll do another one really focused on the accounting and financial reporting um, and considerations for pricing and things there too. So stay tuned for those. So, all right, with all of that, let's <laughs> jump in. Um, Eric, do you want to kick us off and go over um, just some broad principles that relate to the agreement? And then we'll shift to going through more of the specific requirements that need to be included. Yeah, happy to. And thank you, Bryn. Happy to be here talking about this. Um, and again, we've noticed with a lot of our clients and um, companies in the GovCon industry that the Small Business Mentor Protege Program is just an awesome program overall for both the protege and the mentors uh, because it really is one of those programs that helps both sides. So, as you know, as a quick recap, um, reasons why companies get into this is, you know, from a protege side, it helps with their competition, helps with past performance. You get assistance with technical and developmental um, assistance. You know, you can secure some investments. It enhances your own capabilities and growth through that mentor experience. It enhances the value of your company from a, from a from a mentor perspective. It helps to develop and increase supply chain through going through those small business programs. Uh, creates potential opportunities in future M and A um, when you're vetting partners potentially. Um, you get extra credit for working through your small business plan. Um, and you know, from the government standpoint, they love it because it helps to create a more stable and viable supply base. But one thing that we we always get questions about from clients um, is like, all right, cool. We, you know, we want to go after this one massive small business solicitation. Um, we're trying to find a, a partner to do it. Is this a good program or is the mentor protege program good to go through? And then also what elements do we need to, you know, consider when um, when setting this up. And, you know, first thing I'll say is, you know, Bryn, we're, you and I both work at Cherry Beckard, an accounting firm. We're not legal experts, but there are some broad <laughs> principles we'd like to hit on here. So, you know, we do suggest when you do find that um, company to partner with, make sure you talk with legal counsel. But, you know, overall, some of the basic in, uh, principles that you should consider are both, you know, what are the regulatory requirements with the small business program? 
And then also what are your contractual protections? So there might be best practices that you have um, in certain situations, maybe like for subcontracting, getting subcontract agreements in place and such that you should consider when creating the JV agreement versus other regulatory requirements. Um, another thing to consider as a broad principle is com compliance with the mentor protege JV agreement and it is assessed at the time the proposal is submitted. So with some of these large RFPs that last, you know, you get a draft RFP out six months prior and then you have another bunch of months before you have to submit. You know, and you identify that company that you want to work with. Um, it's that's not looked at until that proposal is actually submitted. So it's a long runway. Um, the other consideration is how much control may the mentor have in the JV uh, program? You know, do you want to who's doing the management? Uh, what will those terms be? And then also that these JV agreements last for a long time. Uh, it's you know, it's typically six years and but then if the contract's longer, so you're going to be with this company and working with this company for a long time and uh, there can be issues. So making sure you're contractually protected from that standpoint, too, if there is a dispute that pops up. Yeah, those are all great points and certainly getting legal involved is always encouraged <laughs> yeah. and recommended um, just because there are some specifics um, as it relates to those regulatory and compliance requirements. So good point on that. Um, so speaking of regulatory requirements, there are specific things that need to be included in these types of agreements. And so we thought we'd just run through some of the requirements and highlight um, a few things to point out on some of them. So um, you must include the purpose of the joint venture, kind of common sense there, but really what are you going to do? What's the goal? What's the intent? What's the purpose of the JV? Um, you need to designate a small business as the managing venturer of the JV and really designate an employee of the small business managing the venture as the manager with ultimate responsibility of the performance of the contract or really who's going to be that responsible manager. So the managing venturer is ultimately responsible for controlling those day-to-day -day management and admin of the contract performance of the JV, but others can certainly participate in the governance and the activities and the decisions as well. That responsible manager that we just spoke about um, does not have to be an employee of the small business at the time that the JV puts the offer out, but if they aren't, there must be some sort of sign letter of intent um, that they are committed to be employed by the small business um, if that joint venture is successful in getting that in getting that award. Um, the responsible manager also cannot be employed by the mentor and become an employee of the small business for purposes of performance under the JV. So just a couple of nuances as it relates to that responsible manager part. Um, the agreement must state that with respect to a separate legal entity, JV, the small business must own at least 51% of the JV. Um, the agreement really needs to state that the small business participants um, must receive the profits from the JV to commensurate with the work that's actually being performed if not, they really need to have an agreement where they're agreeing to a percentage 
of, um, you know, what will the profits be and how does that relate to the actual work that's being performed so that there's um, some sort of an agreement and, um, you know, if there were funds or any profits at the end or when the JV is being um, dissolved, that there's agreement in the sense of what's going to go to who um, and whether that's based on the percentage of ownership or that's based on the work being performed, but really um, making sure that those profits are being distributed um, kind of as that work is being performed or in, in accordance with what you've agreed to. The last piece on um, what I'll touch on is, you know, there needs to, the agreement needs to provide for um, really a bank account um, that's in the name of the JV. This account must require the signature or consent of all parties that are involved. So typically there's two of you. So both of you um, really need to be included on that bank account. Um, and this really should be used um, for all the services that are being performed. So anything that's due to or from, um, everything should be deposited in this account. And then all expenses that you incur from the performance um, of the work and through the JV, all of those expenses really should be coming out of that special account as well. There's a number of other requirements. <laughs> Do you want to keep going with them, Eric? Yeah, I can. And that's a good point about the bank account and going out of the actual JV itself. And we'll get into the, the accounting piece, um, you know, on a, on a future podcast. But other items in that JV agreement is you have to itemize and you need to identify what major equipment, facilities, resources are going to be furnished by each party. And then they'll also be able to provide that detailed schedule of cost and value for the estimating purposes. Um, the other thing that you have to consider is the responsibilities of each party. Who's doing the negotiation of the contract? Who's sourcing the labor? Who's actually performing certain items of the statement of work in that contract performance piece? You know, a lot of you might be going like, well, what if this is for a large IDIQ? Um, well, that's a really good point. There is an exception there, but then you have to get provide a general description of the anticipated responsibilities of each party regarding those items that I just mentioned. So you need to at least give a, you know, give an overview of, hey, who's going to do what? Um, and then you also must, uh, ob uh, you must be obligating all parties to the joint venture to ensure performance of that 8A contract and to complete the performance of that despite any member that might be withdrawing. So you have that contractual protection in there too. Yeah, another thing that um, the agreement must include is that you're designating um, where the accounting or admin records that relate to the JV are to be kept. Um, and those really um, should be kept at the small business managing venturer. Um, you also need to um, retain all of the records um, for the small business um, and the JV. You also need to um, submit reports. So for <laughs> annual reports, um, the performance of work statements um, must be submitted to the SBA and the contracting officer no later than 45 days after each operating year of the JV. And then for those project end performance of work statements, 
those must be submitted to the SBA and your contracting officer um, no later than 90 days after the completion of the contract. So making sure that you're really getting those reports in within those timeframes is definitely important and you want to make sure that that's included in those agreements. That's that's a really good point. And, you know, some last items to consider as we wrap up this podcast and this topic um, when it comes to the mentor protege um, JV agreement is the SBA has some rules that you need to consider on performance of work. You know, we're going to touch on these later in more detail, but remember the 50 percent rule on limitation of subcontracting that the JV may not pay for more than 50% of the amount paid by the government to, to its firms that are not similarly situated. So an 8A to an 8A, or you know, for, as an example, 40% rule, protégés must perform at least 40% of the work. And then also the protégé must um, work must be more than just administrative um, in nature. So you actually need to be working towards that program um, or helping with the, the true meat and potatoes of that statement of work. You know, just to close out, some other items to consider is just uh, contractual protection. You know, management, who's running the show, voting considerations of overall governance and how the um, decisions are made. You know, how are you going to handle capital contributions and loans? You know, I've mentioned subcontracting before, but how do you handle subcontracting and those best practices? Um, Taxes, distributions, you know, make sure to talk with your CPAs. accounting firms you're doing work with. Then lastly, remember again, this this JV agreement, you, you're going to be working with this company for a while and that it lasts a long time. So what happens if there is a dispute, a withdrawal, indemnification, you know, how do you go about those resolutions? So just those easy things to kind of forget about because everything is, um, you know, rainbows and butterflies in the very beginning. <laughs> and then you got to, you get into the, you know, you get into the work and it, you know, sometimes things do go south. So just some major yeah. considerations. All good points. Um, so hopefully that helps provide some clarity on the agreement itself, what needs to be included, as well as just some other considerations to make sure you're thinking about. Um, with that, we will say thanks for joining. So this again is our second one in the series. So we do hope that you'll continue to join in on our future podcasts. And as always, if you have questions or anything at all that we can help on, um, please don't hesitate to reach out. So. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.